Hi everyone. In this episode, I am going to continue my quarterback rankings. I left off at number 15 previously, and now I'm going to continue from number 14 down to number 6. I hope this is entertaining and informative for everyone, and I'm excited to keep continuing on and sharing my thoughts. So please enjoy. Thank you. At number 14, we now have a Mr. Geno Smith for the Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith, he was a second-round pick out of uh, West Virginia to the New York Jets in 2013. And he was very... Polarizing is not the right word, but he was very interesting because he he quickly was given the nickname the Geno Coaster. Like Geno, like roller coaster, Geno Coaster. Because he would have... One week, he would be fantastic. He would be like play very, very well. And then the very next week, he'd be like borderline unplayable. Like, I, I guess for context, like, over the course of his career with the Jets, he had one game against the Bills where I think he threw like three interceptions in the first quarter. So he was immediately benched, of course. And then his last game as a Jet, they started. Uh, he uh, he had a perfect pass rating against the uh, against the Miami Dolphins and played great. And then his time with the Jets ended weird. Like he got his uh, jaw broken by a teammate over a uh, not paying off. He like owed the player something, and he got punched in the jaw. So that like, ended his Jets career. And he's bounced around the league quite a bit. He was on the Giants for uh, he was on the Giants for sure. And then he uh, then he was on the uh, Seahawks for a little bit. And uh, he started a few games for Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson was hurt a few years ago. And he took over for Russell Wilson, and everyone felt when Tr- Russell Wilson traded away from the Seattle Seahawks, like, oh, man, they got Geno Smith. Like, oh, Geno Smith's not very good. But, I mean, week one last year against the uh, Broncos when Russell Wilson was in town in Seattle, Geno Smith's, like, great. Like, he made a number of big throws, especially in the opening drive where he stepped up in the pocket, fired the ball, and he played fantastic. He played, he played better than Russell Wilson. And he had a famous quote where he said, basically, uh, people write him off, but he's not writing back. Something along those lines. And he, like, all of last year, he played fantastic. He uh, he received an MVP vote, which, for the first time, which Rose Wilson still has never received an MVP vote. Another discussion, though. But... He played fantastic last year. He like distributed the ball. He was aggressive, but was uh, mis- was not making critical mistakes. But he used to do in his career. He really got to see his talent. He has a pretty good arm. He has a good arm. He is uh, pretty mobile, and he finally was able to show it off and uh, show why he was a highly touted quarterback coming out of college. Um, like everyone develops differently, of course. And he developed, and with Pete Carroll and Seattle Seahawks, he played fantastic. I, well, he has, of course, uh, he has, who is it? It's uh, Tyler Lockett and uh, DK Metcalf as weapons, and also uh, many very good running backs, Kenneth Walker, for one. And so he makes the most of his talent around him, and He's a large part and reason why the Seattle Seahawks were a they were a playoff team because of him. Uh, but 
the issue coming this year is he had one incredible year. It's a great comeback story, but will he turn into a pumpkin? Like when clock strikes midnight for him, will he just be meh? At the end of last year, his stats are tailing off a bit. He wasn't quite the same. Uh, so there is a little bit of worry that he, going to this year, he'll just regress to, I don't think he'll regress to what he was with the Jets, but he'll regress to from a above-average quarterback to a maybe below-average quarterback. I hope not, but, I mean, it, it happens. It happens. So a player has a fantastic year that just turns out to be an outlier year. And just given a big contract, and for whatever reason, this is never the same. Hopefully, he will. Hey, I used to like the Seahawks a lot. I was a Russell Wilson fan of the Seattle Seahawks, but I am a 49ers fan, so that, I mean, there's a bit of a issue with that, I could see. But uh, I was cheering on the 49ers first. But I like Juno Smith. It's a great story, and I hope he continues to play well. Now, for the 13th. Uh, 13th ranked quarterback for me. It's a uh, the America's team quarterback, and that's Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott was drafted, I believe, in the fourth round of the 2016 draft, and that was the same draft as uh, Jared uh, Goff going number one and Carson Wentz going number two. And uh, yeah, Dak Prescott, he. He played for Mississippi State, played very well, had very good teams there. Uh, had a issue in Mexico, I believe. I had like some incident in Mexico or wherever. And so his uh, draft, uh, in mind something else. Anyways, his draft stock slid a bit. And see, I'm going the fourth round. And immediately in the first preseason game, I believe against the Rams that year, he played great, he played fantastic. Wow, this is like a diamond in the rough. And just so happens that same preseason, Tony Romo had another injury. So Dak Prescott had to step up in week one against the Giants and played decent. And people were like, okay, maybe they have a new starter. And he went on to have a fantastic rookie season along with Ezekiel Elliott. And uh, they were dominant. I think they went 13-3. They hosted a home playoff game against the uh, against the Packers, where Aaron Rodgers made one ridiculous throw, which ended the game. But Dak Prescott, rookie year, played great. And then his second year, when uh, I, like things went a little bit sideways for a bit, he wasn't quite the same. But the team was still pretty good. And I followed a narrative throughout his career where he does very well. The team does very well when the when they run the ball consistently. I mean, it's safe to say with any, with honestly any team, like good teams typically run the ball very frequently. But for him, his stats seem to, he played very well with a consistent run game. But when there wasn't a consistent run game, the, the game, the Cowboys offense relied more on him. He was not as effective. And... Yeah. A few years ago, he had a fantastic uh, passing year. And some of those stats, unfortunately, a lot of his stat throwing stats come from, uh, they call it garbage time. Garbage time yards. And garbage time is a good way to put it. It's at the end of the game when the, te- when, uh, the team is down big, like down by multiple touchdowns, multiple scores, and they have to throw the ball to try to catch up. 
will like if the defense for the opposing team stretches that like eases up so to make sure they don't get beat over the top so a passer can just throw 10 yard throws 10 yard gains fairly consistently and it's easy for them to rack up yards to make him like okay he actually had a good game and yeah they lost by 10 points but if you look early in the game they're down like 20 points and he had to throw it to try to catch up um anyways Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. He, especially with the run game, he plays very well. Uh, but he needs he needs more support around him. And they, thankfully, on the Cowboys, they always have good wide receivers. They have uh, they have uh, C.D. Lamb now, and should be consistently pretty good on uh, the wide receiver part. Last year, uh, Dak Prescott unfortunately started developing a uh, interception problem, where he led the league in interceptions despite he didn't play every single game when he was injured and was replaced by Cooper Rush. And Cooper Rush went four and one, but he was four, Cooper Rush was four and zero oh until he had I think it was a bad game against the Eagles and he threw a couple of interceptions, so that wore off the shine on him. But Dak, Dak Prescott was not quite as good as last year. In large part, that could have been due to he had a significant leg injury a few seasons ago, and he's not quite as mobile as he used to be. Uh, that being said, he uh, now he doesn't have uh, his offensive coordinator that helped him become a bigger star in the league with uh, Kellen Moore, as Kellen Moore is now the OC for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And with Michael, Mike McCarthy, as head coach, now calling the plays again, It'll be interesting to see how uh, Dak Prescott looks. Like, will he be uh, continue on what he looked to be a few years ago when he was a looked to be more of a top ten quarterback, or will he be more between ten and like eleven and twentieth ranked quarterback? Which he's paid a lot to be just a decent quarterback. That's that's for sure. But he's a high character guy. He all says the right almost all the right things. And uh, people love him. The Cowboys love him. Jerry Jones loves him. And he will, um, he's a good face of the franchise for the Cowboys. Uh, and uh, we'll see if his play on the field uh, lives up to the contract he earned a few seasons ago. At number 12, I have Tua. I'm not even going to pretend I know how to pronounce Tua's last name. Uh, nonetheless, I think everyone knows who any. Football casual football fan knows who I'm talking about. It's Tua for the Miami Dolphins. Tua was drafted a few years ago out of uh, Alabama, and uh, he burst onto the scene with Alabama when he took over for a Jalen Hurts in the middle of the national championship game against Georgia, I believe. And just Jalen Hurts was not having a good game; it was not his night. So Tua came in as a freshman. And he played fantastic. And he ended up having the game-winning touchdown pass in overtime. And, yeah, I believe it was overtime. Anyways, he had the game-winning touchdown pass. And, bur- and he burst onto the scene was the starter from then on out. And he was very productive quarterback for Alabama during his time. He was speculated to go number one overall. Um, but then that's when Joe Burrow and, the, and LSU burst onto the scene. And Tua had a injury, uh, like a broken hip or something. And he was, uh, 
it rendered him just he was unable to finish the season and had to rehab even when after he was drafted number five overall to the Miami Dolphins. Tua was uh, able to start during his rookie year, and he had Brian Flores as the head coach. And it always seemed like Brian Flores wouldn't fully embrace Tua because Tua isn't a I mean, he's not a very big guy. He's not very tall. He he's a lefty, which is fun. That's the one thing about lefties. If anyone watches a lefty throw the football, it just looks beautiful. It just looks so different. Um, but Tua is a lefty, and he does not have a strong arm. It's definitely I would easily say a below average NFL starting NFL starting quarterback arm, and. Yeah, like his, uh, he just wasn't playing. He was playing oh decent. He was playing decent through his first few years, but it wasn't enough. And then the Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel's from the 49ers, and Mike McDaniel's unlocked Tua. Like Tua, they also the Dolphins traded for uh, for uh, Tyreek Hill. They drafted Jalen Waddle, two awesome wide receivers. So the the Dolphins have two top ten wide receivers easily. And Tua last year was playing fantastic. He kept like being super aggressive. He kept throwing the ball down the field. He had some great moments in games, especially the Ravens game. And he was just throwing bomb after bomb that was slightly underthrown because the wide receiver couldn't get a touchdown after it. But nonetheless, he just kept throwing bombs. And it was so exciting. But then he started getting concussions. And that's unfortunate because he was putting up great stats and just leading the league and like, passer rating and everything. But then he started getting interceptions. He got interception and the no, concussions. He got concussion, people speculate, halfway through the Packers game, I believe, because he got hit really hard. He continued to play. Then he started throwing a bunch, a few interceptions randomly. Not randomly, but he started throwing interceptions. Uh, and. He seemed like he got a few concussions last year, and there became a uh, narrative where, more than a narrative, a concern for his health. And going into this year, if he continues to get concussions, he may not play anymore. He even stated this offseason that he was concerned about the amount of concussions he was getting. And he's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, this Mike McDaniel... What he's done for him is incredible. Has like fully believed him and embraced him, and the team does awesome when he's playing. It's just concern of okay, he's a smaller guy. He keeps getting hit. You know, he's a concussion problem. Like if he gets a concussion, like what? If he gets one or two concussions this year. Like, will he be forced to retire? I mean, that's I guess possible, and it's possible certainly. And, uh, yeah, well, he's, I love his aggressiveness. It's a lot of fun to watch. And, yeah, despite he has a fairly weak arm, it doesn't matter. I mean, ultimately, as long as the ball gets there to the wide receiver on time, it doesn't matter how it gets there. I mean, if the ball's wobbling, if it's, like, going, like, a bullet through the air, if it's, like, a lollipop, like, over the top, hey, he gets there, and he's making the right decisions. So, hopefully, injuries will not derail his prom- now very promising career. At number 11, I have a Mr. Jared Goff for the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff has always been very polarizing in his career. Like I said previously, he was in the same draft class as Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott in 2016, where Jared Goff actually went number one overall, and he went he played for a non-football power, I guess, in Cal Berkeley. 
So Jared Goff went to the to the St. Louis. No, it was the L.A. Rams. They just moved to L.A. So it was the L.A. Rams with Jeff Fisher. In his rookie year, he looked like a complete bust. He he, like. I during uh, I think they had Hard Knocks or one of those TV shows at the time, and he just looked lost. Then he played eventually, and he just looked even more lost, and it was pretty alarming. But then, so Jeff Fisher was out, and Sean McVay's hired, and Sean McVay, like speaking of unlocks, like I said for Tua previously, Jared Goff was unlocked with the, the Sean McVay. Sean McVay, Jared Goff, he looked a whole another person. He looked like he was the. Re- he looked the real deal. He was Mr. Number One overall pick. And he played fantastic. And he had some awesome moments with the LA with the Rams. He uh, had a very memorable uh I think it was a Monday night football game that was supposed to be in Mexico, but then there was issues in Mexico. So they uh the Chiefs and Rams ended up playing Los Angeles. And the Rams played, especially Jared Goff, he outplayed Patrick Mahomes. And that's I mean, what can be said? I think the game ended up being like somewhat like fifty-one forty-nine, just an incredibly high-scoring game. A lot of fun to watch. It's offense everywhere, and Jared Goff outplayed Patrick Mahomes, and that's all you can say. And uh, so Jared Goff went to the Super Bowl uh, with the Rams. He played against uh, the Patriots, where unfortunately Jared Goff did not play well at all. In that game, he had a few passes. He had one very late throw to, uh, I think it was Brandon Cooks in the end zone that could have been a touchdown, but he threw it so light that the ball just didn't get, the defender got to it, whether it was intercepted or just like thrown to the ground. The ball didn't get there. So it was a tough Super Bowl to watch. And then uh, things got weird after that. Like Jared Goff wasn't playing quite as well. Sean McVay seemed to be more increasingly active aggravated with him and then all this then one off season a few years ago it was like sean Mc, like the rams wanted jared goff to uh they wanted him to uh re- like restructure his contract to be more team friendly he said no and then the rams ended up trading him in two first round picks up to the detroit lions so that the LA Rams could get Matthew Stafford and hypothetically upgrade a quarterback. That move paid off very well for the Rams because they won a Super Bowl. That's what you need to do. They won the Super Bowl. That first year they had Matthew Stafford. Like, applause to them. They did it. And for the Lions, it was like, okay, wow. They have a uh, quarterback, Jared Goff, who's never won a single game without Sean McVay. And that narrative continued uh, in his first year with the Rams. Never not the Rams, the Lions, uh, with Dan Campbell. And it wasn't, he wasn't the uh, same at first, of course. But eventually, last year especially, he started playing fantastic. Like, he started, he like has a streak now where he hasn't thrown an incomplete, or hasn't thrown an interception for so many consecutive throws, which is very impressive. And the team was in playoff contention. The Detroit Lions were in playoff contention in large part due to Jared Goff. And he seemed to regain the credibility that show, of what he had with the Rams early on when Sean McVay showed up. Uh, Jared Goff, he has uh, 
he's a pretty good thrower of the ball. He has a very good deep ball. He's he's a, easily above average arm strength. He's not super mobile, but I guess he's mobile enough. Uh, but he can, and when he's given protection and given time, and he has good wide receivers around him, which they do for the Detroit Lions, he can make noise, and the Detroit Lions can make a lot of noise with Jared Goff at quarterback. Speaking of the uh, Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford, at number 10, I have Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford played for the Georgia Bulldogs, and went number one overall, I believe, was it the 2009 draft? Yes, I think it was the 2009 draft that had Mark Sanchez go to the New York Jets. And uh, Matthew Stafford, he had a uh, statistically very good career with the Detroit Lions, but it's the Detroit Lions, so they never really won many games. And like, despite having Calvin Johnson, which Calvin Johnson ended up retiring early in large part, it seems like, because the team just wasn't winning. And Matthew Stafford was left on the island where he helped the team get to the playoffs a few times, but he just couldn't help them overcome their own internal dysfunction. Uh, despite having a incredible arm talent, he has a like a howitzer for a right arm and just throw the ball wherever he wants and as fast as he wants. And it's incredible in any angle. Uh, and he's fairly mobile too. So the LA Rams, when they were with, uh, when they had Jared Goff at the time, they wanted to upgrade and they thought Matthew Stafford was the ideal quarterback to upgrade with. So they traded for a not then older Matthew Stafford, who's been beat up for several years with the uh, Lions. And his year with the first year with the Rams went fantastic. He had, uh, I think he had 41 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. I mean, 17 interceptions is a bit lot, but he's a gunslinger. He has an arm that backs up his, his aggressive play style, so it worked. And they won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl against the uh, uh, Joe Burrow-led Cincinnati Bengals in Los Angeles, a home, a home Super Bowl. And uh, Matthew Stafford won, uh, he was fantastic, he won the Super Bowl. Then last year, it seemed like the team, the Los Angeles Rams have been aggressive for years, and the bill came due as far as paying older players, get, uh, trading away draft picks for those players, and the team fell apart. And Matthew Stafford fell apart with the team. He had a, like a el throwing arm, elbow injury issue like in the preseason, and it kind of continued on, and he ended up, he didn't finish the year out. And it was a, it was a bit rough, it was a very rough season for the Los, Los Angeles Rams. It turned out to be the worst Super Bowl defense for a team in NFL history, because they ended up going about 5-12, and 12, I think. Yeah, because Baker Mayfield ended up starting a lot of games for them, and Baker won a few games, but not many. So this year, uh, Matthew Stafford, he still has awesome physical talent, but he is now in his like mid thirties, mid to later thirties, mid thirties, and he's a very old player for even for his age. Like just for his time for getting beat up with the Lions, like poor protection, being hit to the ground several times. And his body is starting to fail him, like he did last year. Which 
could arguably be good for the Rams if they want to tank and get another player. But in the short term for Matthew Stafford, he is still awesome physical talent who can still put up fantastic games. But I personally have some doubt with how he can hold up <clears throat> on a team that isn't very talented anymore, that has only a few star players that, I mean, even Cooper Cup isn't starting at the beginning of the year. That's an issue. And he, Cooper Cup's awesome, but I don't know anyone else on the uh, Rams wide receiver, wide receivers besides Cooper Cup. So will Matthew Stafford continue to play well? Like, will he regain his form? Or will he have a good game every once in a while and just, unfortunately, be moved elsewhere be forced to retire at some point? Now, starting to get very exciting. We are at number nine. And this is when, uh, like, it's starting to separate a bit as far as, okay, the good quarterbacks from starting to get to the great. And at number nine, we have someone that became very, uh, became a lot more likable and popular in the uh, in this offseason, large part due to the quarterback documentary. And that is Kirk Cousins for the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins, he was drafted in the fourth round of the 2012, 2012 draft. Uh that 2012 draft had uh, Andrew Luck, RG3, uh, and he was drafted to be uh, Robert Griffin III's backup for Washington. And Kirk Cousins, uh, he had some playing time. Uh, RG3 unfortunately had the first of that seemed to be first of many injuries at that year, even during his awesome rookie year. And Kirk Cousins stepped in and played well for him, and I believe won a game against the Browns. And Kirk Cousins always hung around. And when RG3 became the struggle and falter with Washington, Kirk Cousins was sitting on the sideline waiting to take over. And certainly he did. He put up some great statistical years for the, uh, for the, uh, for Washington. And he had a, uh, had one, I think particularly one of the most famous moments of him was he was shouting, you like that, you like that. Uh, to the media uh, that was criticizing him when he had an awesome, I think it was a comeback performance. And he's always been very good, very good statistically, um, trying to make the most of his talent. But for some reason, the Washington kids kept franchise tagging him, which the franchise tag allows a the team, the franchise, to give a reasonable one-year contract, I think fully guaranteed to a player that they are not fully convinced they want to sign to a long-term contract. And Kirk Cousins got paid a lot of guaranteed money when he was with Washington. But ultimately, they let him be a free agent, and he signed a massive guaranteed contract with the Minnesota Vikings. And the Minnesota Vikings automatically became a very good team. They always became like a playoff contender. And uh, he had some good years. They ended up winning a, a game against the, uh, I think, the Saints uh, down in New Orleans. His first playoff victory, actually. And then they went on to play the 49ers when the, 49ers, the year the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. So that game didn't end well for them. Um, but nonetheless, Kirk Cousins as a player. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LeFleur love smart players who will distribute the ball and run the offense exactly as they want it. And they feel like Kirk Cousins is their 
is their guy for that. They always, especially Kyle Shanahan, wants Kirk Cousins. He's accurate. He's smart. He works hard. He studies well. I've seen the, the quarterback documentary. He has a pretty decent arm. He, he's above average, I would say. He's a decent arm. Uh, but he's a bit limited as a... I mean, he doesn't have a fantastic arm, so he's a bit limited there. And he's not super mobile. I think he's just mobile enough to make a play every once in a while where he scrambles. And Kirk Cousins is... You could win a lot of games with him and do well. One more thing about Kirk Cousins, which is very interesting. He is has a reputation of being unbelievable in like the 1 p.m. Eastern uh, time slot for games. So the first slate of games for NFL, so like 1 p.m. Eastern time slot, he plays fantastic. But as the games become closer to prime time and even prime time, the moment seems almost to get to him. He sometimes, like the camera pans on him, which may be unfair, but the camera pans on him and he looks like he's trying to deep breathe, like he's trying to relax, like try to <laughs> decompress, like relax and just play. So he's not a very good primetime performer, which shows he hasn't been that great in the playoffs either. So it almost supports it. Um, but last year, he, uh, the Vikings, they had a uh, new uh, head coach, and they won a lot of close games in large part due to Kirk Cousins. And they hosted a playoff game against the Giants, and Kirk Cousins is not the reason they won. They lost that playoff game. Even though his final throw was like a fourth and nine, and he threw it three yards, which that's not, it's not a great look. But they did not lose that playoff game due to Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is a very stable, reliable quarterback. He will always put up good stats and can help teams be consistently be in the playoff hunt. And there is reason to believe he will continue to be like that for the next few years. And which is which is great. At number eight, we have a, a new uh, Jets starting quarterback, and that is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, number eight, and he now starts with the New York Jets. He he was drafted out of uh, Cal in a draft I can't remember. It was mid-2000s easily. And I think it's the same draft as Alex Smith, and uh, Aaron Rodgers famously wanted to go to the 49ers, but then he slid down to the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers at the time had Brett Favre, who is an awesome quarterback. And eventually, after sitting on the bench for a few years, Aaron Rodgers had his chance to shine. And after a, I think it was a 6-10 rookie year, Aaron Rodgers started playing great. And by 2011, he won the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl and really established himself as an elite starting quarterback. Um, since then, he, uh, he had some, he consistently started losing to the 49ers in the playoffs and others and other playoff moments that were ended in heartbreak for him. But consistently through all those years with the Green Bay Packers, like 2010, 2011 through uh, 2022, 2023, 2022, he always made the Green Bay Packers Super Bowl contenders. He was always incredible arm talent. Even though he's about 6'2", 215, 220, he's not a very big guy. He has an incredible arm. He can make off-the-platform throws where he's just kind of rocking back on his back leg and throwing the ball and not having a steady base. But the ball flies through the air and lands perfectly in the wide receiver's hands. So it's like he makes – Aaron Rodgers makes 
quarterbacking looks so easy. It's like anyone can do it, even though what he's doing is incredibly difficult. He has incredible arm talent. He's especially when he's younger, he was pretty mobile, so he could run around, and make some plays. And despite all that, he only won one Super Bowl, and that was, and he made it to the Super Bowl part because an NFC Championship game against Chicago, the Bears quarterback at the time, Jay Cutler, who happens to be one of my favorite quarterbacks. Another discussion, different discussion for a different day. Uh, ended up by uh, suffering a knee injury and couldn't play the rest of the game. And the Bears almost won the game. Not almost, but they were competitive in that game. And uh, since the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers have consistently had playoff letdowns. Uh, most notably, a few years ago, they uh, were hosting the NFC Championship game and in Green Bay against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They had the ball driving down the field on the goal line, and they just couldn't get the ball in. They decided to kick a field goal, then Tom Brady just did not give the ball back. And then uh, two years ago, they hosted a playoff game against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. And even though the 49ers scored blue, did they even have a scoring touchdown drive? I think they have one, maybe zero. But anyways, they lost that game. The Packers lost that game at Lambeau again. And it ended with uh, Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball up, trying to find Devontae Adams down the field. And then last year, for whatever reason, I think in part to the old age, after going back-to-back MVP years, after after the Packers drafted Jordan Love, after a few years of slight regression for Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers uncorked two back-to-back MVP years, and he played fantastic. But then the, the uh, playoffs uh, letdowns continued, and last year, he nearing 40, he just didn't play as well. Uh, he had a bunch of new wide receivers. He didn't come in in the offseason and play and practice with them. So their uh, chemistry as like timing routes and where they like, like trying to understand the wide receivers and quarterback just wasn't there. So the Packers started off poorly and they started winning some games later in the season. And he. Uh, and they had a chance to get in the playoffs in week 18 of uh, the season last year. They just had to beat the Detroit Lions at home in Green Bay, and they lost again, um, which was a very disappointing season end for them. Uh, last year, he, like I said, he, was, he wasn't familiar with the wide receivers, but just watching some of his passes and how he played last year, I just don't think he's this quite the same anymore. I think he's he's getting older, which is okay. I mean, like when you're nearing forty as an NFL player, especially NFL quarterback, you're not going to be quite the same anymore from accumulation of injury and just aging. And not everyone's Tom Brady. Who I mean, Tom Brady could play for until he's forty five and still be phenomenal. Where Aaron Rodgers was not phenomenal last year. It was arguably his worst season, especially since. Easily his worst rookie season since his uh, worst season since his rookie year. Um, so now Aaron Rodgers is on the New York Jets, and the New York Jets last year had famously had one of the worst quarterback situations in the NFL. So even just 
decent quarterback play for the Jets could should theoretically make them significantly better. But the New York Jets trade for Aaron Rodgers to help them win a Super Bowl or just make them very relevant. And the Aaron Rodgers from last year may not help them be that relevant. He He's still very, I mean, of course he's very smart from his years of experience. Comes from Berkeley. That he knows how to manipulate the uh, at the line of scrimmage and understands what the defense is giving him. But is he getting to the point where his body's going to let him down? He can't make quite the same throws he used to. He can't move quite as well as he used to. And he just doesn't want to get hit. He's a bit going to be more brittle. Will he be a letdown for the New York Jets? Like, I don't think his arm's as great as it used to be. Uh, he threw some balls that just kind of fluttered in the air or were underthrown last year, even before he like hurt his thumb. So I'm a bit... I'm curious to see how he plays this year. I love the storyline of Aaron Rodgers on the New York Jets because the New York Jets are always a bit, bit dif- dysfunctional, but they're a premier franchise for the NFL, and it will be fun to watch. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch him play against the Bills on uh, in New York on uh, September 11th, which will be a huge game and should show, okay, it's the old Aaron Rodgers, is he anywhere close to the old MVP form, or is the play from last year here to stay for the next few years? We will find out. Now, moving on to number seven, and it is Lamar Jackson for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson was drafted, drafted out of Louisville a few years ago, and uh, there was unfair speculation that he should just become a wide receiver because uh, he wasn't throwing the ball quite well. There's might have been other things going on, like getting into it, but he's super athletic and he was very productive in his college career. So it was just incredibly unfair to have him suggest he should be a wide receiver. Nonetheless, he uh, drafted the Baltimore Ravens. He as the last pick in the first round, and he sat behind Joe Flacco for a few, for like half the season or so until. Lamar Jackson was called to action, and he helped boost the Baltimore Ravens into the playoffs. He was made his athleticism transitioned transitioned easily to the NFL, and his running ability also opened up, made the defense play him very honest. So, because he's so fast and so dynamic with his legs, defenses had to always be sure that he wasn't going to take off and run on any play, whether it was a designed run and even a quarterback dropback pass, because he could still take off and run. So when the defense is playing him on trying to contain him as a runner, that means there's less defenders down the field uh, to, uh, to defend against his pass. So he often was able to find wide receivers running open down the field, which helped him develop as a passer. Uh, unfortunately that year, he, the end of that year, they got into the playoffs, but he played poorly in that playoff game. And, uh, the next year he had was truly unbelievable. He put everything together. He grew as a passer. He got bigger. He got stronger, still just as fast. And he ended up winning the MVP. It was fantastic. It was so much fun to watch. However, that playoff, they hosted a, the Tennessee Titans, and Tennessee Titans beat them pretty soundly uh, that year. And it was a very disappointing end for the Baltimore Ravens. And again, Lamar Jackson did not play well in the playoffs. And like then I think it was the very next year, yet they beat they actually beat the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. 
in the playoffs, but then they lost again to the Buffalo Bills, and Lamar Jackson just didn't play well again in the playoffs. And uh, I, he consistently through his career, he's always been fantastic in the regular season. They're always winning like at least like 75%, 80% of their games that like he's starting. But there's always been a question mark of how accurate is he as a passer. And with his elite running ability at this current age, eh, he could get away with being slightly inaccurate as a passer because he can just run around all the time and make plays. But for him, as he continues to age, he's naturally not going to be quite as athletic. And when this year the team wants, and after a few injury-plagued years, the team wants to transition to more of a passing offense instead of a running offense, what will happen? Um, I guess the only situation I can compare this to was a few years ago was when uh, Greg Roman, who was actually most recently the offensive coordinator for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator for Colin Kaepernick about a decade ago for the 49ers and helped him burst onto the scene as a running quarterback with a strong arm, which has some act similar many similarities to Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson is decidedly better than Colin Kaepernick. I'm not speeding that. But the problem for Colin Kaepernick began when they tried to transition him into more of a pocket passer, and the team just stopped winning quite as much. He, I, he, he, Colin Kaepernick needed to reuse his legs to be an effective quarterback. And the question will be, does Lamar Jackson need to be a to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, to be MVP caliber quarterback, because I think he'll always be a decent passer. He'll always be a decent quarterback, even if he's passing. But to be a top-flight quarterback like he was during his MVP year, he will need to throw the ball very consistently, very accurately, and hit the layups, hit the easy throws that are only given a few times a game. Just hit those throws. And if he hits those throws, the Ravens will be very good. They'll be able to win the playoffs most importantly, and Lamar Jackson will be back. And I'm hoping he'll be back. He's a great player to watch. He's a lot of fun. He does have some injury injury concerns the last few years, but if he's passing more than he's running, which he always has, but passing even more than he's running than compared to the last few years, he should be, be able to... Uh, not be injured quite as much, get away from the freak injuries, stay healthy, develop as a passer, using athleticism when needed to help him be dynamic and keep the defense honest and always like, be aware of his running ability. And Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, can make some serious damage in the playoffs. It'll be fun to watch. At number six overall, we have someone who was a quarterback prodigy ever since he stepped foot on a football field. I mean, especially coming out of, I heard him coming out of high school, going to Clemson. Then he won a national championship with Clemson as a, as a freshman. He was so awesome. That's Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, like I said previously, he won a national championship as a freshman for Clemson. Uh, He's always been a fantastic quarterback prospect. He could run. He has he's six six. He could run. He has a strong arm. He has long hair. He's a thick neck. He uh, 
he's just he seems like a great guy. He's the big real deal. So when he came into the uh, NFL and I think the 2021 draft, he was the consensus number one overall pick. I mean, not even a dispute about it. Uh, and his rookie year did not go so well. Uh, the Jaguars brought in Urban Meyer to help him develop, and Urban Meyer turned out to be a not very good head coach for the National Football League. A fantastic, awesome, incredible coach for college, incredible success between Utah, Florida State, not Florida State, Florida, University of Florida, I mean, and Ohio State. He consistently won fantastic, especially for Florida and Ohio State where he won national championships there. And Urban Meyer just did not do well for the Jaguars. And unfortunately, Trevor Lawrence struggled. And last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars hired Doug Peterson, who won the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles as the head coach a few years ago with uh, Nick Foles, was hired to be the new head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And after a bit of a bumpy first half of the season, Trevor Lawrence took off. He was awesome. He was... He had numbers just as good or arguably better than Patrick Mahomes in the last, second half of last year. And he seemed to be living up to the real deal. He, uh, trying to think, he had a, he had a, like an overtime win, I believe, against the Dallas Cowboys in Jacksonville. And it was a, it was a very memorable game. And he continued to dominate and look the part and be as, as good as advertised as he would be as someone who's just a quarterback prodigy. And then his most defining moment this far into his career, NFL career, was his uh, first home playoff game against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. The game started off as bad as you could get. They were down 27 at 0, I believe, at one point, And he had four first-half interceptions. It was a debacle. They weren't all his fault, but when you throw four interceptions, it's... A lot of it's on you. It's a lot. A lot of it's on the quarterback. Anyways, second half of the uh, playoffs. Second half of the playoff game. He was a whole nother person. It was like the first half of the playoff game was what he was in his rookie year, and the second half of the playoff game was what he was in the second half of his uh, most recent year, of his second year, and. They came storming back. I remember I was uh, I lost interest in the game. It was like he's twenty seven to zero, but I always kept checking the score because like the Chargers are the Chargers, and they tend to lose games in weird ways. And it just felt seemed like the momentum was shifting when I was just paying attention to the score. And then once it became a one score game, I flipped the TV on, and Trevor Lawrence was making play after play, throw after throw, in situations where. The Chargers knew he was going to throw the ball. Uh, I guess for some very basic offense in the NFL, it's good to have a balanced offense. That means when you're running about as much or running a little bit more than you are passing because it keeps the defense from knowing whether you're going to be passing or throwing on a particular play. But when you're down big and the defense, know, the defense knows you have to pass the ball to catch up because running the ball kills the clock, but which is good when you're winning the game, but when you're losing the game, you need to try to catch, you need to try to uh, score points as quickly as possible. So the only reasonable option is to throw the ball. And Trevor Lawrence, in passing down situations, every play of the second half was consistently making throws, ended up throwing four touchdown passes in the second half, 
and won a spectacular and very memorable playoff game. And they went to Kansas City and played. Uh, they had a valiant effort against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead, but. I mean, it's the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which Nick Wright likes to compare them to the 90s Bulls, which is kind of true. It's pretty true, actually. And so the Jaguars lost. Going into this year, I believe Trevor Lawrence will continue to be on the rocket ship ride. He was on the second half of last year to start him. He has uh, Calvin Ridley coming back, uh, coming back off the suspension of the previous year when he was with the Falcons and bet on... Like games, I think he he had like some huge parlay, uh, on some NFL games. Which, as a professional athlete, it's, you're absolutely not allowed to gamble on games, especially in football. And he was suspended an entire year for that. But Calvin Ridley, as a talent, is like a top ten wide receiver at least. At, I mean, he could be better, but at least. So, Calvin Ridley is coming back. They have a Christian Kirk. They have Travis Etienne. Yeah, Travis Etienne, who was actually uh, Trevor Lawrence's uh, college uh, running back at Clemson. So Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars have weapons. They have a good head coach. They have this, a arguably good to great quarterback now. And will they? Will he continue to build off of the second half of last year? That's the biggest question. I think he will be. I think he's the real deal. And especially in a weak division that's always unsettled with the Houston Texans always being bad, the Colts just being weird and having a rookie quarterback too, and the Titans' just time seems to be – their current uh, iteration of the Tennessee Titans seems to be I – mean, they need to transition on to a new quarterback, new running back, it seems like. Uh it could be like a Patriots in the AFC East situation where the Jacksonville Jaguars just run run through the conference, go six and zero or six and zero in their division, and just easily by winning the division, you automatically get a uh, I think you automatically get a home playoff game. It will automatically in the playoffs, but I think it's a home playoff game, and uh, have an advantage of trying to fast track to maybe the number one seed in the AFC. And which could help set up for a uh, potential Jacksonville Jaguars making the Super Bowl. And Trevor Lawrence will be a big part in why that could happen. Thank you for continuing to listen to this podcast. And uh, next, I am going to list the top five quarterbacks, I believe, that are currently playing in the NFL. Stay tuned. Thank you.